I, I was doing this job up in uh, Boston. Um, Boston. Bo- Boston. In Boston? Boston. I was oh, working was at, up in Boston. A shipyard job oh, for doing, for doing, two months. Doing uh, a job yeah. up in Boston. I was okay. doing a job up in Boston. You know, how, the fucking the, firefighters. The how was the fucking coffee? The fucking coffee was all right, but... Uh, Bro, lobster is, like, dumb cheap up there, dude. For real? I mean, this was 11 years... God, fucking 11 years ago. I'm old, dude. Dude, the Pilgrims are just eating lobster on the regular. Yeah, dude. I paid, like, $8 for a fucking 8-pound lobster, dude. What? And and someone... And they cooked it for me. So you're, like, that chicken, that mukbang? Yeah, no, like, literally. Dude, someone, someone, um, someone brought their wife up there. Like, he flew his wife out to, like, come up and... Like live in the hotel with them, flew her out, and like he was like, "Baby, let me take you for a lobster dinner." So like this this woman thought she was getting some like fancy feast. He took her to some shack and bought like a twenty pound lobster for like ten Jesus. bucks. <laughs> and I was like, "Here you go, baby." I mean, that's sick. I'd be I mean, stoked. dude, it was crazy lobster every day up there. Bro. I'd be stoked on that bargain. <laughs> it's crazy, man. So crazy. you, so how many lobsters did you eat? Probably, probably like twenty. You ate twenty lobsters. I mean, not nah, not nah. that day, but like. <laughs> no. Well, you said you ate a hundred wings at one time. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was Philadelphia. That was another job I was on. I I got drunk and ate a hundred chicken wings in Philly. In Philly, dude, I love that you were just traveling so much to all these cities and just eating and just getting drunk. So we should have been. I was night, dude. I was nineteen in Philadelphia, and I would just walk into the bar. No one would card me. I'd get like I'd have like a hundred dollar bar tab and just order a hundred chicken wings. Hell yeah, dude! It was great. Well, you know who else uh, also traveled the world a lot and drank and ate a lot of food and took a lot of shit from the places they went? Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the fucking pilgrims. So, welcome to the Good Times of Killing Us podcast, y'all, where we explore the history, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the most controversial people, movements, and organizations in our modern world. It's your boy David, and I am joined by K Town, K Town, and Marquise. Yo, yo, we're back. What's up, y'all? And today we're talking about fucking. Thanksgiving! Dude, it's the great, grand old American mukbang where everyone just fucking stuffs their faces. Dude, it's literally my favorite holiday. Watches the sports game. Is it? <laughs> well, we gotta get, we gotta get in. <laughs> my Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. If your favorite th- uh, holiday is Thanksgiving, you're about to get fucked on this episode. <laughs> you're about to get fucked. Yo, so, make sure you follow us on Facebook at the Good Times Are Killing This Podcast. You can hit us up and, you know, talk to us, ask us questions, watch our live videos that we post or uh, that we sometimes delete. Uh, <laughs> hit us up on Instagram at Good Times Killing Us Podcast, no spaces, or on the Twitter at good underscore times underscore day. We're also kind of on TikTok, and we will eventually be really rolling out some Twitch some up, streams pretty we're, soon. We're up there on dude, TikTok a little dude, bit. Dude, I got the second monitor. Ooh. Oh, oh, shit. So we'll probably be on Twitch, maybe. You and know? I'm, I'm ordering my microphone this week. Even more ways for you to hit us up and contact us. And when you hit us up, if you leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes, or honestly, for real, anywhere, you hit us up and just talk to us. We like to chat with, like, the homies and shit. We'll read that shit here on the cast. And I actually... Yo, if you're listening, you're a homie, bro. Straight up. Yeah, we up. develop real relationships with the people that review that review us because we read multiple reviews. We kind of... We talk to people. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of a small-time podcast at this point. So, if you want to, like... Communicate with us. Let us know what you think about what we do about what we're doing. We will establish a line of communication. Like Dude, we're not too big to to you know to be like that. My yeah. first real online friend is Headhunter. Headhunter sixty nine, baby. Shouts yeah, to Headhunter. Yeah, shouts out king. to our boy. 
But uh, so I got a review. This one's from D's Nuts, nineteen ninety three. Hell there yeah. we go. It says much love from Australia, guys. The new metal and QAnon episodes were hilarious. Can't wait to hear from you, dudes. There we yeah, go. From you dudes. My boy's an Aussie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shouts out to these nuts 93. Yeah. That's a very, like, I just imagine, like, that's a very Australian, like, <laughs> fucking name, dude. Oi, <laughs> what do you think those blokes are like over there? How about these nuts, mate? These nuts, 1993. Americans love these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have, like, um, like, really, like, weird named beers, like, something like Dicks or something. And it's like, <laughs> I gotta have my dick in me. Oh, you mean you mean like Fosters? Yeah, fo- fo- <laughs> you ever had a Fosters? Dude? I haven't. Dude. Oh, you might you go and eat that like, juice. It's like a twenty-eight ounce can. <laughs> yeah, that shit's intimidating, it's dude. So that big. shit is like. I've had it, I've had it at the Outback. <laughs> yeah, honestly, these nuts, nine ninety-three. I'm not a fan of Fosters, so sorry, baby. Uh-huh. Not a big fan at all. It's all right. Yeah. Maybe I'll try it now. I haven't tried it in a while. We got another review though, don't we? Are you? Yeah, yeah, I got another review, man. Yeah, 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 go another ahead, one. Go ahead. another one? Yeah, Fuck. Yeah. The, okay. the, like, the studious one. I think that one's like appropriate for this episode. Oh, okay. Uh, shouts to Rebecca on Instagram. Fucking, uh, shouts to you, Rebecca. She actually had a really good fucking point because she said she tried to make a review to us and it didn't go through. And after some really light looking into of iTunes's like terms and conditions, that we might be missing out on a lot of reviews, guys. We might be leaving reviews on the table. Just because iTunes might be uh, cutting reviews with any type of, like, uh, uh, exploitatives in it. And Profanity. Stuff. So, so yeah. in other words, this podcast is fucked. <laughs> we're not getting, we're not seeing any of your reviews, guys. Yeah, so if you're saying shit like, yo, these guys fucking If you're saying ass, shit like, fuck and We shit probably have, and like, 15,000 reviews from, like, QAnon supporters. That we like, do. Fuck you, lip You cucks. fucking libtards. Yeah, that we just didn't get. So, like, sorry, we, we definitely wanted to read them, but... But, you know, uh, she had a good conversation with me about sociology and whatnot. And she thinks this podcast is a good, maybe, study about sociology, which I was like, yeah, it is. Dude, we were talking about what this podcast really is. Essentially, this is a cultural studies podcast. It has like We've gone on and on, and like we've been doing more and more research. Like It's kind of gotten to a point where it's like we're really studying the world as it is. Because even today, as we get into Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about how this really has an effect on our modern day, the mythology behind Thanksgiving. But anyway. So Rebecca from Instagram says, as someone pursuing a career in social sciences, I can't advocate enough the importance of not restricting yourself to exclusively academic content. That's an echo chamber, just like any other. These guys do a wonderful job of diving deep into some personalities and subcultures that are both shaping and are shaped by the society we live in. Plus, they make me laugh. Y'all are fucking sick. Thanks for the good listens. Aw, thanks, yeah. Rebecca. Big shout to Shouts you, out queen. to Rebecca, dude. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. I like that one. So this is your first time listening to this podcast. We usually do episodes on all kinds of stuff that is, like, very obscure. Like, we did, we did Furries. It was our first episode. We talked about New Metal. We talked about the dark history of Kanye West. All that types of shit. Scientology, Satanism, all that type of stuff. But today we're talking about kind of a more mainstream topic. We're talking about... U.S. history. Well, yeah. If you're uh, if you're listening to this when it comes out and you're in America, you're probably getting ready to celebrate a holiday that I enjoy, Thanksgiving. Man, it's my favorite holiday. It's one of the greats, you know. And um, so, so what do you what do y'all what do y'all do for Thanksgiving? What's like what's your normal family thing? I usually got to double up. I got some family here, um, some on my side, and I got some of my wife's family. So we hit her family thing earlier, and I just. 
I, I call it clocking in. I clock in over there, and mm. I, you know, and then I, you know, clock back in at my cousin's house for a few more hours. And I just spend time with family, man. And honestly, I really do spend a lot of time thinking of things that I'm grateful for mm. during that time, dude. It's a fucking event for me. So my 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 mom and stepfather live um, out of the country, so I don't get to see them at Thanksgiving. I, they come home at Christmas usually, but uh, I go to my aunt's house and me and my. Shouts to Aunt Sheena. Aunt Sheena, hey, Aunt Sheena and my uncle Rick. We throw down. So many shoutouts in this episode. So I far, usually, man. I usually, so I make a a special recipe. Me and my uncle deep fry the turkey that I prepare. My aunt cooks Hell one yeah. in the oven. Mm. But uh, I, I do a buffalo turkey. I've been doing it for the past ten years. I make a buffalo deep fried turkey every year. Hit us up on the yeah. Gmail if you uh, make it buffalo turkey. <laughs> I take recipes. Three bottles of hot sauce, like four sticks of butter. I melt it all down in a pot and I inject the turkey. Mm-hmm. Let it sit overnight, and then I deep fry that motherfucker, and it's amazing. Fuck yeah, dude. Wow. I look forward good. to it every year. Um, this year, I'm actually working on Thanksgiving. I don't get off till four o'clock, and like my aunt's like distraught. Like she's like, I don't know if like we can wait till four o'clock to eat. Nah, that's not that Uh-oh. late, man. No, normally, like my family, we my, I go over there like usually at like ten o'clock in some sweatpants and a t-shirt. Me and my uncle sit outside, deep fry the turkey, smoke a couple of Newports, hey. and eat. And then I nap. Turkey, I'm turkey usually, nap. Dude, I'm usually pass the fuck out at 2 o'clock. For me, uh, usually I just kind of – I have a pretty small family around here. So, you know, locally my Thanksgiving is just kind of like I go to my mom's house and chill with her and my stepdad and we have some food and it's whatever. Um, usually Thanksgiving is actually more about Friendsgiving to Friendsgiving's me. Friendsgiving big. I always like the day after Thanksgiving, like the Friday after or sometimes even on Thanksgiving – where the homies get up. And sometimes, yeah, we've done that actually on Thanksgiving where it's like yeah. everyone does their family stuff. And then at, at the end of the night, you're ready to get fucked up with the homies. Dude, the bring, best bring Friendsgiving we yeah. had was that year Guido was uh, running from the law because he had that uh, arrest warrant out. Oh, God. Holy shit. Oh, well, yeah. uh, <laughs> we had to hide his car at my house. Hey, shout out to Guido. Shout out to my boy, <laughs> ex-Guido Gangbang X. <laughs> um, but I've had a lot of really good times also like traveling. Like uh, Usually when I do see my extended family in Colorado – I usually go out there for Thanksgiving, and I go out there every few years, and that's always a good time. And generally, I actually have pretty good feelings towards Thanksgiving. I do the whole, like, you know, the whole corny, like, I'm thankful for my friends, uh, my job, you know, shit like that. But aren't you? Yeah, exactly. And that, that's actually cool. Like, overall, the, what, what Thanksgiving has become as a general sentiment is, is pretty solid. I think you can't, you can't really, uh, you can't really um, go wrong with it. But in this episode... We're going to get into what the foundation is of this mythology behind Thanksgiving. This innocent veneer that it has actually has a really terrible history. So before we got into the research for this episode, how much were y'all aware of like the full extent of like how colonialism and and the the fucking settlers played into this shit? I mean, yeah, I was pretty aware of colonialism, you know, really playing the bigger part of what Thanksgiving means as an as an adult. But not the details. Not some of the details. So Virginia Public Schools, you just learned that Thanksgiving was a a really cool party that the settlers and the Indians had together. Yeah. And and that's really – that's as far as it goes into it. Like the Indians really helped us out and they taught us how to fish and to grow crops and to thank them we threw a big feast and invited them. And the pilgrims showed the natives how to put buckles on their hats. Yeah. So, of course, like, that's always been the foundation, but, like, I've always, like, I've, I've, I've learned enough about U.S. history to know that that probably ain't how it went down. Yeah, it won't, it won't 
we want that cool. Yeah, I kind of had the same experience. I, that's mostly what I knew about it. Um, if you were really paying attention uh, in school, you probably knew about a guy named Squanto, who is more no, whose whose actual name was to Squantum, as we're going to talk about later. Um, he kind of had a big role to play in it. But overall, it was kind of depicted as if like yeah, like the the natives and the settlers got together and they chilled and. Yeah, it's always been like that. Yeah, it's all, the relationship's always been just like that. The natives are just cool yeah, with everything. It, it was the fucking Spanish killing them, not us, bro. <laughs> well, what's interesting, as we're going to get into, uh, in well, in in Spain as well, but they they definitely got in their uh, Inquisition shit like pretty heavy early on. But the settlers, the way, the main way that the natives died for at least like the first 150 years of uh, people being in this country, it was just through disease. Yeah, but we're going to talk about that. So y'all want to get into this uh, into the story? Of the origins of Thanksgiving. So, before we talk about Thanksgiving itself, we have to talk a little bit about the early colonization of America. So, after Christopher Columbus stumbled across South America in 1492, the two American continents became prime real estate for settlers looking to find gold. They were trying to find that fucking gold, baby. They were trying to come up. Well, yeah, Spain, the Spanish, like, we were at, uh, England was at war with Spain, and Spain was getting all that money, bro. They they you gotta gotta have your coffers up to have war, dude. Yeah, fill those coffers. But all that shit was in South America. So well, that's just, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. in yeah, South America, the gold was everywhere. Well, yeah, just a little south. Of course, there's gonna be a little bit of yeah. gold, just a little bit up north, right? Exactly. Everyone yeah. figures, okay, let's go up to North America and see what's good there. But they didn't find any gold. This place is not a gold mine. <laughs> yeah, people were just dying all the time because they sent out all these people, these jewelers and shit, uh, to find gold, to, to do something with it. They didn't find anything, so you just have all these early colonies. Not even colonies, really. They're just kind of like organizations who are just like, fuck, it sucks out here. Like, we're dying. Yeah, we're, Dude, we're straight up not having a good time, So bro. to think about the, the jeweler thing, so, like, our boy Chris is technically a jeweler. Shout out to Chris. So, like, could you imagine just, like, Chris, skinny, (laughs) little Chris, riding on a boat for, like, three months, getting off, and, like, having to plow a field? Head full of lies. (laughs) Yeah, so you had a bunch of, like, weak people (laughs) going going to North America who are just like, I'm going to find some gold. I'm going to find some gold, ye hawk low. Hawk, hawk low, some gold, behold. (laughs) But they weren't finding shit, so motherfuckers were just dying on the fucking regular. However, eventually in North America, the Virginia colonies found success through the farming of tobacco, which put the whole of the New World really on the map as being a real rugged place to engage in trade, thus beginning Chapter 1 of American Capitalism. They was capping, bro. They came here straight capping. Straight capping, dude. Yeah, the the natives were like, no cap, no cap, and they were just capping. It was really sad, actually. Yeah, they were like, but this tobacco leaf, though. Yeah, so that's how, that's how this, that's really the beginning of North America settlement, because everyone only cared about coming here initially just to profit off of it, um, until the pilgrims, as we'll get to later, uh, but tobacco was really all they had. Yeah, um, yeah, well, people were coming to fish and, and, and fishing yeah. and taking shit back to... I think I think the big thing to that I never really got, like, told in school like when I was younger was, like, it was always about religious freedom. You know, the settlers came over here to start a new land and a new life and to have religious freedom and all this shit. 
No, they came over to make money. Yeah, yeah. Like, 90% of them, it wasn't until, like, what, 60 years later or some shit? 100 years later. 100 yeah. years later. They were there for 100 years just about money. Yeah, yeah that just was it. straight up. It, nothing to, to do with freedom. They weren't trying to self-govern themselves. They were just making money. This is a new land, man. Nah, what dude. can we What can we find in here? It's, it's just crazy, it's like, gold. to always, like, the shit you get taught through public school and then, like, you actually, like, grow up and you can look past that shit. It's, it's always... It's always about money. It's like you, you pretty much dethread the warm blanket that is this mythology of America yeah, I mean, when you yeah. really learn about it. So the first successful English colony was Jamestown in Virginia, your boys, hey. which was just after the Roanoke colony disappeared with only one word, Croatoan, carved into a tree. Wow, the lost, the lost uh, colony of Roanoke. What a creepy story. Yeah, what do you think happened? Oh, uh, they! I I just watched a documentary about it like not too long ago. Like they just, got, they just got killed, right? No, no. It, like most of them were still alive. They just like broke the colony up, and like some of them went to go live with like Indians, and like some of them went down to Jamestown and shit. Hmm. But it really like the real story behind it's really like boring. It's just like it was a failed colony, and they're just like, all right, man. Oh shit! Interesting. So according to that documentary, but you know, yeah, but. Moving ahead to our story, when the first European settlers landed around modern New England in the 1500s, the area was obviously super already populated by a whole host of different native confederations, such as the Wampanoag, the Pequot, the Narragansett, and of course, the Massachusetts. And collectively, these groups call themselves the People of the First Light. Hmm. Bro, every time I hear that Narragansett, I just get so pissed because I fucking hate that beer. Oh, that is a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a beer you try to push on me every I, time. I never realized that until now. Yeah, every time we go to Cali Cantina, I'm around the Narragansett. I never realized that was just a confederation of, like, tribal people in, like, New England. I hope they're getting some money from that. Probably not. No, they they, they probably got killed and they were given a single casino. Yeah. Oh, this will make up for it. Here's Jeez. a casino. So we got to laugh at something, I guess. Yeah, this is going to be a dark one. Um, so these these confederations were made up of different tribes that basically agreed to work together and trade and to protect each other from any friction from the surrounding confederations. So basically you had these kind of uh, uh, a bunch of different tribes that kind of banded together in their own little government. And they had little feuds with uh, with each other or, or the, uh, the different confederations would have feuds. But overall, they were very peaceful living people. They knew how to tow the land. Um, they actually had a, an equilibrium with, with, the, with nature where they knew how to do control fires they used to use like shells as currency it was a really just kind of peaceful serene place i mean they had the problems of course like any society does but they were just kind of chilling for like hundreds and hundreds of years yeah i mean they were they were a civilized society they had forms of government they had you know industry they were able to farm and take care of themselves like it was a legitimate it's not like the savages that everyone like in the past hundred years have tried to or for 300 years have tried to like perceive them as they were like they were high society people they just didn't have metal armor or guns like we did yep pretty much so in the year 1600 a new batch of settlers landed in new england looking for gold or their materials to sell it back to england but after a long journey from england these settlers were completely unable to find like anything sellable and they were really harshly met by the local inhabitants, obviously. So 1600 is when we really start getting into New England, like the this new batch of English settlers. Yeah. And yeah, the the locals, the natives, did not take kindly because of past grievances and certain things, bad deals and stuff. And so, yeah, sometimes they were met with hostility. And so these guys didn't really want to always go home empty-handed. You know, you can't just go back to England to your old motherland with fish. 
Yeah, a lot of times they would just like get fish and dry it and bring it back to England, and people were just like, <laughs> "Word, you just went on a two month journey across the ocean and like risk and your life back rotten, bloody rotten fish. Bloody, yeah, you would bring these bloody, <laughs> bloody rotten fish. Hawk, <laughs> low. So they decided to fucking start stealing dudes, stealing dudes, man. Yeah, they so to make the journey not a complete bust, the settlers would often just capture native men in the woods and take them back to Europe or Virginia. To sell into slavery. Which is so trash and shows you, like, they really just looked at, like, the the natives uh, as, like... Another commodity that yeah, they Yeah, just, like, not people, just something else to exploit. Like, you know, like animals or something. Like, these, uh... Yeah, we got these... Well, they, they were pagan savages. They weren't... They didn't believe in the true God. They weren't... They weren't sophisticated. They didn't have mustaches twirled in fucking metal armor, bro. They were savages. Godless savages. Godless savages. Exotic. <laughs> um, so despite all this, this uh, what was going on with these guys enslaving their fucking people, some of the English settlers did eventually uh, ally with the Wampanoag chief, Massasoit, who we're going to talk about a lot in this episode. Um, they allied with Massasoit to engage in trade and even help each other fight off their collective enemies. So the Wampanoags were kind of, they're having feud with the nearby Narragansett tribe. That was kind of like the rival one. So they were like, hey, you guys can help us out. That would be cool. And the settlers were like, okay, you can help us fight back against the French colonists just up north. So they're all kind of engaging in mutual interests. Kind of fucking French, dude. One hand washing the other, kind of, you know, helping each other out a little bit. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. But the real point here is that this is when, like, the natives and the settlers are really, like, in close contact, really communicating. Um, and this temporary allyship would end up proving to be a horrendously fatal mistake on behalf of the natives. Yeah. So because Europe had been a breeding ground of countless diseases over the years, most notably the Black Death around the mid-1300s, Europeans were harbingers of diseases that they themselves had become immune to after years and years of just living in pretty much putrid conditions in These England. motherfuckers was filthy! Dude, they, didn't, they would only, like, bathe, like, once a month. They thought bathing was, if like, that. unhygienic. Well, their, their, whole, their whole thing was about humors. Like, their medical, like, science was humors. Like... Yeah, you have know. too much blood, or like you have or like, bile. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they didn't know about germs and shit, and so these motherfuckers were stanky. You had a cold. They you would go to this guy in a, a fucking mud hut in England, just like with no teeth, and he'd get a dagger out. <laughs> they never had teeth. And cut your arm open and just bleed you out. And he'd be like, all right, there you go, love. We have to bleed, ye. <laughs> yeah, just for... You, you got too much blood in you. You've got a cold and you're just like, too much blood is your problem. <laughs> Though he has the bad blood. Lock. <laughs> <laughs> but what's ironic is the natives were, like, super fucking clean. They always... They didn't really have a problem with, like... This is kind of a thing, is that the, the Europeans, they had a problem with getting naked because that was immodest. But the natives, they were like, yeah, we'll get fucking naked. We'll just go off and chill together in, like, the, the river and get clean. It was a big part of their culture. So they weren't ready for this kind, this, these disgusting people, basically, <laughs> to come over and spread all these diseases because the Native Americans knew how to take care of themselves. Yeah, so they didn't have immunities for fucking uh, smallpox and all the other possible diseases that were brought over from Europe. Yeah, so modern estimates say that nearly 90% of several Native confederations in the area died of various diseases such as smallpox, tuberculosis, measles, and the flu between... 1616 and 1619 alone in three years. So Fuck, the the thing to consider too is is like I don't a, a lot of people don't realize like how big these confederations were. Some of these cities were like 
described as like Roman empires. Like they were huge, massive amounts of people. It wasn't just some like small village of like teepees and shit. It was like legit ass fucking cities. Yeah, yeah these aren't like Stone Age people. Like they're mm-hmm. like they're living the indigenous life, but they have a highly organized like yeah, system. They had huge cities with like millions. I mean, like yeah, no, millions I think died. The, the estimate was fifty million people in, in yeah. uh, around sixteen hundred, and by like uh, sixteen. Uh, Ninety or so, it was like eight million, and that was like mostly the European settlers. <laughs> overall, a lot of estimates of the overall death that would occur in uh, the Americas, like in like that that kind of like hundred year period, uh, most estimates say that it actually dwarfs um, the Black Death. So that was the single greatest pandemic in human history. So, and it's and it's barely reported. Like, uh, I think like no, hundred and fifty million people voted this past election. F- and and they say 50 million Native Americans died. That's like a quarter of like the population that voted this past year. Yeah. That's yeah. insane, dude. So this was a very sad time for the Native Americans, as you can imagine. Many Native Americans actually apparently uh, w- were reported to have lost their faith to their gods because of this because they felt like their gods had betrayed them. Meanwhile, the European settlers, of course, were on the other side, and they thought that this was all divine intervention on behalf of the Christian God. The this- Lord blesseth ye, and he fucketh ye thine. Uh, not to, not, not to like take their side or anything, but like if you were in that mindset back then, like that would seem like some divine intervention. Like, like a huge blessing. These motherfuckers are just dropping dead and you're like, oh yeah, the Lord did it. Yeah. yeah, it's not just random science and the way nature is. That's, that's gotta be God. Well, yeah, you don't know what the No, God's out here smiting is. motherfuckers. You ain't never dude. heard of a germ in your life. And that's really the first part of what would continue on is like, we'll get into this later, is because they already kind of had this view of like, yeah, God's on our side, it would later justify like the more forceful execution mm. of a lot of natives. Um, so after the mass death of countless members of the Wampanoag Federation, Chief Massasoit became fearful that their comparatively unafflicted neighbors, the Narragansett, would take advantage of the situation. Yeah, these guys were pretty much chilling on the other side. It's, I guess the, I guess this wasn't affecting them somehow. Like, they were more closed off from yeah, the settlers. Yeah, they, they, were, they were a whole confederation away, so they were just watching from a They distance. were like, I told y'all. We I told y'all. Y'all stupid. They were landlocked. So we're going to talk more about Chief Massasoit and the Wampanoag tribe later when we get to the arrival of the pilgrims. But real quick, we got to talk about your fucking boy, Tisquantum. Squanto. 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 Which, which is bullshit. I really, come on, did, do you guys get the vibe that, like, he was like, hello, my name is Tisquantum. They're like, oh, Squanto. Yeah, they're like, like, like hey, Squanto. Yeah. We don't know how to say that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely well, the- <laughs> I, it's it, it was literally like the Kuta Kente thing. Mm. Like, mm. no, your name's Toby. Yeah, for real, actually, yeah. They're like, no, this is gonna, because Squanto just sounds Squanto. It just doesn't have that same kind of esteem it, that, like, anybody. Like, like, someone was just like, has. what's a good thing we can put on a bill and, like, parade this dude around town, like, as, like, an exotic, like, or, merch piece? Or Squanto. Maybe, or maybe we'll get into it, or maybe the Wapanoig dubbed him Squanto. They were just like, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that, maybe that would make sense, because later on, they're gonna have a little bit of heat against him. Yeah. But let's get into the story of Tisquantum. The tragedy of Tisquantum. Yeah, so during that whole time period, like, when there was kind of a relative sort of uh, peace between the natives and the settlers, around the same time that the disease was spreading, um, among those indigenous people that were taken into slavery was a man named Tisquantum, who was sold in Spain and later to England to a merchant in 1616, where he learned how to speak fluent English and assimilate into English culture. Yeah, so they snatched him from fucking his indigenous land and took him across the fucking ocean 
and uh, it sold him into slavery. And then uh, he actually he he get uh, bought by some friars in Spain or yeah yeah he and, went to a yeah he went to a Christian monastery in yeah, Spain and, and that's kind of like where he became sort of Christianized. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would you need us? I mean I don't know, dude. I don't fucking I I, I can't wrap my head around slavery. Your boy Tisquantum moved around. He did some globe trotting for a while. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. Um, and it's actually interesting because we were watching that uh, that 700 Club documentary, like oh. their version of, of this. They're like, and that's when Squanto found God. Yeah. The one true God. <laughs> While in chains, getting beaten and working hard labor for no pay. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Squanto was just like, look, whatever, whatever. I'm just trying to get back to the other side of the fucking planet. Like, I'll say whatever y'all need me to say. You want to eat today? You're going <laughs> to praise the Lord. <laughs> You're gonna praise. You're gonna praise the Lord in this house to Squantum. Yeah, <laughs> Squanto. Squanto. But it's really when he was in England uh, that things really started to like benefit him. He was learning English. He was uh, he was a slave to a merchant. So likewise, he had a lot of communication with English people. He got used to kind of like English customs. He was drinking beer. He was wearing English clothes. He was learning English, and that would end up later on being a huge benefit to him. So he was fully culturally assimilated into British culture, basically. So in 1616, Tusquantum was eventually able to uh, arrange to embark. To, oh, sorry, in 1616, Tusquantum was eventually able to arrange um, to embark on a voyage to Newfoundland in North America in hopes that he would eventually find his way back home. While in Newfoundland, Tusquantum was able to convince an adventurer named Thomas Dermer to travel to New England by convincing him that he'd be able to make. A lot of money there. There's a lot of money to be made. There's people are finding gold, yeah, tobacco. Just, like I'm telling you, America is the place you want to go, man. So Squanto just hustled his way back home. Dude, he was trying to get back home, man. Like fuck, dude. How long was he gone? Like 14? three years. Oh, three years. Okay, yeah, I thought yeah. it was longer than that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Still. So when Squanto finally did make it back to his home on the Massachusetts Bay, he had found the entirety of his tribe, the Patuxet which were part of Chief Massasoit's Wampanoag Confederation, had completely died off as a result of the pandemic that occurred just a year before when to uh, Squantum's abduction into slavery. Yeah, it's like the beginning of a, like a, a movie or something. He finally comes home and everyone's dead. Yeah, it's like in Star Wars. Like when when Luke just <laughs> I I literally was about to say that, but I was going to be like I was like Anakin left and then came back and his mom was. Mm killed by sand people yeah true actually that no how about like you're a sand person who just went somewhere like came (laughs) home and anakin killed your whole village yeah true actually that's more (laughs) that's actually way more accurate yeah but yeah he he went back to his home and just everybody's dead because of some mysterious disease imagine like the fucking mindset he must have been in just like wow my entire people are gone the last the last of a of a, a nation of you know yeah it's a lot on your shoulders so, dismayed by the horrendous revelation, Tusquantum and Thomas Dermer's people camped in the nearby village of Nemanskit before Tusquantum was sent to another village of Poconoet to try to scout the area in hopes of figuring out their next move. But that village just happened to be the area where the Wampanoag chief Massasoit dwelled. The ops? Yeah, your boy. So, he went into, like, the capital, pretty much. Mm. And, and Thomas Dermer is just kind of like, all right, yeah, man, just go out there and see what's good with them. And, and this is what's crazy is just days later after Squanto's return to the back with uh, Thomas Dermer, 50 warriors came out and attacked Squanto and Thomas Dermer. Mm. And Thomas Dermer was actually, like, mortally wounded. He would later go on to, like, Virginia where he died. Oh, shit. Yeah. And apparently they, ta- they attacked Squanto as well, but a lot of people are like, no, nah, he struck a deal 
yeah. with with uh, Massasoit. Yeah, because that's where he ended up was with, uh, with uh, the Satchum Massasoit and, and that and the Wapanoag tribe for a while for a couple years, right? Yeah, before, he was just chilling with them. Yeah, before the Separatists got there. And after all, the his tribe, the Patuxet tribe, was part of uh, the Wampanoag Confederation uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, true. So it's like, eh, same team. Yeah, it's like, this is because I'm going to get to home. Back in England, around the late 1500s and the early 1600s, a group of religious dissenters were catching a lot of heat for their ideological rebellion against the Anglican Church, which was the official and legal church of England. So there were just like a bunch of people like in England who were, like, they were, who were told, legally, this is your religion. And some people were just like... Uh, can I do it differently? And they're like, no, fuck no. you. Can I be a Catholic? No. No. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, you had to be no. a Catholic. Well, yeah, you have to do it. And, like, you can't do it any other different way. And uh, you can fuck off. So so then there, that's how we get some of the separatists. People who were like, uh, eh, we don't really, we're not down with that whole Church of England thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about the Church of England. Like, literally, like, your king was just horny and was just like... <laughs> Because I'm yeah. horny, I'm starting a whole new ass religion, bro. Yeah, Henry VIII. So Dave. I can dump yeah, this yeah. bitch. <laughs> so I can divorce her. I'm tired of fucking this bitch. I need to divorce her. Let's start a whole new religion, and your salvation's dependent on my horniness. Yeah, and if you don't wild. think this is it, if you don't think that, like, my uncle, like, fucking a bunch of bitches and killing them is cool, then fuck you, you're banned. <laughs> like, so these religious dissenters were just known as separatists in England, but among their own ranks, they're referred to as the Brownists. Named after their founder, Robert Brown. The Trade Federation Separatists. <laughs> so, to, to really deliver the sum, whenever we're talking about pilgrims in America, keep in mind, they weren't actually known as pilgrims until like 100 years later. Yeah. These were the brownists that rolled up that we're talking about right now. These were like the radicals of the radicals. Yeah, yeah. They like, were they, like, because the separatists were like, the people were like, yeah, low-key, we're not fucking with the Church of England, but the brownists were like, yeah, no, fuck that, we're leaving. Yeah, they straight <laughs> up left. Um, so, for a little bit of context, the King of England at the time was the famous King James, who in addition to being... Uh, to, who in addition to, uh, you know, balling for Cleveland, leaving, <laughs> playing for Miami, and then coming back and bringing Cleveland a fucking championship. Yeah, so the King at the well, time... was a Laker. And now, and now King James is a Laker. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about LeBron James, the King of England, <laughs> who is also known for the King James Bible and being William Shakespeare's first royal patron. Dude, it was really progressive that they had a uh, a black guy as a king. Yeah, in, yeah. in the 16th century? <laughs> this, yeah, was 17th super, century yeah. they, this was super progressive. Damn, bro. But LeBron was really <laughs> radical in his particular interpretation of the legal imperatives <laughs> Of Christianity. <laughs> so he fucking hated the Brownists. Hated them. Shakespeare even once wrote about the Brownists in, like, I think it was Twelfth Night, where he was like, thou art has a, has a Brownist. And people in the audience were like, dude, <laughs> yo, fuck the Brownists. Then he said they were a sausage wallet. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were like, Lock ye is a sausage wallet, yar. <laughs> so the Brownists... Desperately wanted a place where they could practice their religious ideologies freely, so they briefly moved to their new home, uh, or from their main home of Scroopy, England, to Belgium. Scroopy. Scroopy, England. So they moved from Scroopy to Belgium, uh, where people didn't really care about the weird traditions. They didn't give of a fuck what you believe. Yeah, because they were out there being fucking Dutch. Yeah, yeah, real liberal. They were real laid back. Real chill fucking shit in Holland, man. This is like moving from, like, like a rural community in Texas to, like, 
Portland. So <laughs> like, they yeah, they were like, putting mayonnaise on French fries, bro. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, these Dutch were fucking up. So they're like, we're out of here. We're leaving fucking England. We're going to where we can practice our religious beliefs and where the, it will be tolerated. And the Dutch were like, yeah, we don't give a shit. And then they were like, yeah, y'all are kind of wild out here. Yeah. Y'all really don't give a shit about nothing. The, the Amish moved to um, <laughs> yeah. New York in the, on yeah. the day of a gay pride floor parade. <laughs> yeah, just like, nah, much. bro. They're like, no, we're, we're tight-knit. We're like ten toes down. But our kids are going to lose their fucking identity in this shit. So. Yeah, y'all got wooden shoes and shit. Like, what the fuck? This is not going to work. <laughs> y'all having to sit on, like, Ikea furniture and, like, all this type of bullshit. Like, y'all got a know. bunch of meatballs and gravy, bro? Nah. <laughs> nah, they had to go back. So they eventually... Too brutal. So they eventually... <laughs> so the the fucking brownness packed up, and they went back to England and begged King LeBron James to give them another option. They were please, like, please! Bron, Bron, please, Bron, Bron. Then he shot a fucking three-pointer and was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Basically, I mean, yeah, King LeBron was of England was so sick of the pilgrim shit that he gave them a pass to go try their hand at surviving in the new world if they wanted to practice religion the way they wanted to. We, we got a style call on LeBron because someone's going to be like listening to this to like go to the bathroom and come back and then we're just talking about LeBron James and they're like, what the fuck? Fine, yeah, LeBron right. James. Yeah, yeah. I just mean, when you say King James, I'm not thinking of fucking the Bible. I'm thinking about fucking... <laughs> I'm thinking about the king, baby! Three pointers, baby. <laughs> Sports. <laughs> yeah, and that's really all we have to say about lebron james for the rest of this episode really because like yeah he, he basically he was like yo fine like i got some colonies up in america they're doing some fuck shit they're not really making that much money but they're making a little bit of money how about you go over there with a couple of like my boys my businessmen boys go off there make some money and then you can do your whole fucking weird religious shit where i can't see you this is a win-win for king james because he's like look you can get the fuck out of my face and maybe you can bring me some fish money or something. I don't know. Like, maybe I get some money from this. Yeah, get some slaves or something while you're out there. Yeah, Go get yeah. some fucking gold, maybe. I heard there might be some gold. Swish. One- so in 1620, 100 brownest pilgrims boarded the famous Mayflower ship and set for an area of land in Virginia. And on board the ship, have them sign the famous Mayflower Compact, which was the first democratic government document in American history. So uh, it was some socialist bullshit. 120? Uh, a hundred, uh, about a hundred, and like so, a hundred gecks. Yeah, <laughs> only, only like uh, a little bit over half of them were actual brownists, and a lot of them were just called strangers. Dude, every time you say brownist, I just think of a turd. Yeah, no, yeah, I wanted to make or, a joke about why would you like? I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. I don't, I don't understand like the whole brownist, like brown. Oh like, well, it was because it was <laughs> <laughs> like bro, <you're> just brown. <laughs> Payne just almost spit his beer out. It was because we did we mention why they were called brownness? We just skipped over that. No, part. yeah, it was Robert Brown. Okay, we, we talked about oh, that. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, I I didn't know that. So like this whole time, I'm just like, why brown? Are they wearing like brown tunics or some shit? Like, <laughs> Y'all ain't got no motherfucking colors up in here, shit. Yeah, they gladly went by brownness. There was some <laughs> shitty ass to fucking. I ye be a brownie. I shit for the Lord and I shit in life. We, I'm a brownist. <laughs> we, we talked about how like unclean they were, right? <laughs> yeah. Born to shit, forced to wipe. <laughs> Is that a GG song? <laughs> so they have a GG out of it. Born to shit, forced to wipe. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> so the brownest, the brownest, did eventually land in the New World in November, 
But they accidentally missed Virginia by about 600 miles and landed in what is modern-day New England, where several of them died after their arrival just because they didn't know, have any idea how to fish or tow the land or hunt or anything. So you mean to tell me they Ladies out here, us off course. they're just named after a fucking color and a stupid? Yeah, yeah they're, they're not, stupid. Yeah. They were stupid. This is basically some soy boys going out to, like, hunt, like, raw Life status. Well, yeah, they were be like soft. if I went out to hunt. Yeah, I don't my, even eat my meat. my vegan friends going out to kill a deer. Yeah, yeah, they were they were pretty soft. You know, they were they were kind of like baby dukes out there. But you know, and a lot of them died. Uh, you know, in yeah. the first in in that because they got there what six weeks before winter with like nothing. Yeah, and, and you know they out there dying. They virgins. They ain't fucking. They 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 wearing brown. You know? <laughs> yeah, they're just in the brown too. And, and that's how they go out, man. That's sad, bro. Yeah, so like, stupid. Ha- so, like, half of them fucking died that winter. Yeah. So, yeah, well, uh, a little bit after that, they actually, they did eventually leave. They they landed on Cape Cod, and they were desperate to, situ- to fix their situation. So they set back out the tree to travel on the coast until they eventually um, put out some search boats to find a good place to crash. And in December, the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock, where they found the scattered homes and remains of the Patuxet tribe, the people who Tisquantum had once called his own, and they were able to put together the remaining supplies of the extinct tribe to form a new home. Yeah, so they were pretty much, like, like bouncing off of Cape Cod for a while, living off the ship mostly, jumping on and off the ship and fucking uh, trying to find shit <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Eat and stuff well and yeah because they were they didn't bring any livestock they hardly brought any food like they were just fucking like the whole shit was like half ass they were scrambling yeah. they were scrambling for a while i do they declare these starving <laughs> times are truly truly killing us this st- yeah these good times were killing your boys <laughs> but uh they finally fucking uh around the turn of the new year set up shop in fucking plymouth or what they called plymouth and fucking they found all these old tools and all these skeletons a bunch shit. of shit from dead natives, dead indigenous people. And They're like, yeah, this is a good place to crash. This is <laughs> Half the shit's already here. Bro, yeah. you think they had some, like, poltergeist shit happen? Like, on a dead Indian burial ground? Like, yeah, in the long F- run. FYI, sorry if I keep saying Indian. I I know it's Native American, and I'm, I'm trying to make a conscious effort, but it slips out. Mm. So I don't mean to offend anyone. I know they were here first, and I respect their cultures. I yeah, just, that's just, really the whole point of this episode, honestly. It's just the hard thing not to, after 20 years of been saying it and man, yeah, we, we getting have been, pushed dude. into my brain. Yeah, so half these guys died, by the way. Like, half of them died in the winter because, like you said, they landed in the fucking Because they fucking soy boys! I think they said there was, I think I heard that there was, like, so there's, like, about 19 families along with a bunch of single men and, like... Yeah. There were about three families that were unaffected by death after, yeah, yeah. after these times. Like, so, like, <laughs> like, you know, everyone would die in your family and you'd just be, like, the orphan child. Or maybe, like, you'd be the mother and your fucking husband and your kids die and you're just like... It, it, a rough time. Yeah, it was a harsh fucking winter. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, around the spring, at the dawn of the spring in March, they were visited by an English-speaking native named Samoset of the Wampanoag tribe who arrived to tell them about the mass death that had just occurred before they arrived. And they were like, oh, no shit where all these skeletons are? Oh, damn. Um, the base- he wanted to know what was up with some beer, though, too. Yeah, he was like, yeah, do you have any beer? <laughs> like- Apparently, yeah, because he, he had like... Was that your Native American accent? <laughs> That's the only time I'm doing it. You had just said something about like, not saying Indian. <laughs> so that was the only one that... <laughs> It's 2020, baby. Look. <laughs> Stay woke, y'all. 
The Ahavani beer. <laughs> and but that's the thing is like yeah because it he, still sounds British to me for some reason. Have you got any beer? There we go. But <laughs> basically, yeah, because Sam was said he had been chilling with the dudes that had come a few years earlier, and he had drank with them. He was like, yeah, beer's the shit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah y'all got fuck with ale. Yeah, and he stayed the night there. Like he was like, yo, like I'm chilling here, letting y'all know what the deal is. Like, hey, um, we got a whole tribe of people out here. We're chilling. Shit's kind of rough for us. Samoset was pretty much like an envoy for uh, yeah. the, the the Satcha Massasoit, and yeah. he was just coming through to catch the vibe. He spoke a little bit of English, so Massasoit sent him there. Like, what's what's going on down there? What are these mm-hmm. white dudes doing down there? Feel them out. Feel them out. And feel apparently, out. like, they were trying to get him to leave. Like, they were like, yeah, yeah, man, we've been chilling. Can you go home now? And he was like, no, I'm crashing here, baby. Like, yeah, I'm going to catch the vibe. Y'all got yeah. beer? <laughs> yeah, y'all, like, he was drinking. He, he was, was chilling. A, he was just that dude that just got out of jail. Hey, y'all, y'all got beer? I sleep on the couch. <laughs> can, can I just get some I'm not water? trying to go back to my mom's house, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> can I just yeah, get some was... water, though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, my boy can't even get any water. He just got out. <laughs> I just got out of jail, dude. I think I crash on your couch, bro. <laughs> be really cool, Chief Ma- Mama, Mama Soda would be mad cool with that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. That's, that's all we're doing. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> so, um, because canceled. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a wrap for us. So, because Chief ba- Chief Massasoit was worried about the neighboring tribes, remember they were still kind of having beef with the Narragansett tribe. Um, they were actually fairly friendly to the Pilgrims in hope that they could establish an alliance with the European settlers. So they did actually end up giving them a bunch of supplies and help them till the land, taught them how to hunt, and basically ensure their survival after that. Yeah, actually, they so they Massasoit made a. A pact with them in that in that spring in that March of uh, sixteen twenty one that they would help them and they would kind of like one hand wash the other or one back wash the other where they would kind of help them like plant crops and teach them how to sow the land and in exchange kind of like have a a little bit of an alliance with them against the what was that other the Narragansett that, uh, Narragansett tribe they so, sold them guns too the, so. the way yeah. I picture it is like you see like your little brother and like he's playing your cousin in Pokemon cards and he's getting his ass whooped. He doesn't know what he's doing. His deck's weak. And like, you're like, all right, bro. Slide him a Charizard. You're like, here, man, here's my old deck. Let me play a few games with you. And then you're going to go beat the shit out of this, your cousin later. Like, was, you just felt bad. They were just like, what are you oh, look at these return, though? What are you getting in return? Lunch money or something. Yeah. Okay. They're doing your dishes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you okay, do okay. my dishes. I'll give you my Charizard. And you can beat the fucking uh, the Narragansett tribe. You can boost up those rookie numbers. Yeah, which is, I mean, really, this is the same thing that they were doing with the settlers before. Like, even when the the early settlers had come, like, about 20 years before, even 100 years before, really, like, they were always like, yeah, 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 like, we'll give you military help. That's what what it is out here. But then the natives are meeting with these, like, weird religious guys who are just like, yo, we're soft as fuck. Like, can you just teach us how to, like, grow a plant? Like, they're like... What's this corn stuff you guys had buried under here? You don't don't want us to help you fight, like, any other enemies? Like, no, we just want to live. I'm trying to eat, bro. I'm trying to eat. I'm hungry. So this is when Tisquantum comes back into the story. Mm. Yeah, so your boy had been hiding out for years, and he rolls up speaking perfect English. 
Um, Speaking of that good King's English, that King James shit. Hello, governor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you might have some beer. Tisquanto just rolls up and he's like, oh, he make lock. You got any beer? Tisquanto rolled up like, riding round in the Rover. <laughs> riding round in the Rover. <laughs> you know, I spent some time in Surrey. <laughs> Send your man to Jehovah. I heard you all are from Scrooby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you hell love Scrooby, do ye? So... Tisquantum served as the main translator between the settlers and the Wampanoag tribe because of his particularly good English-speaking skills. So he was like their main translator for a while, who was kind of like the lead diplomat. Yeah, he's just bouncing back and forth. He's doing all the translators, so he really is holding all the cards, actually. Yeah, and he's the big reason why that that uh, treaty was actually signed in March. Like, Samuset was one thing, but when Squanta rolled up, they were like, all right, we can actually chill with this dude. He speaks yeah. our language. And that's when – and Massasoit was basically using him as, like, his diplomat. He was like, hey, just fucking work this shit out. And We're he gonna... knows Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's right, because they could say, hey, this guy's Christian, too. Thus beginning really, like, you know, the, the old stereotype of the um, the noble savage, really. Yeah, the or the way they were called the praying Indian. Yeah, the praying time, Indian. Yeah. And, and it's wild. What a fucking concept. So, in 1621, the Pilgrims and the Wampanoag did actually have a three-day feast of corn and deer together on the fourth Thursday in, in uh, November. <laughs> and this is the particular celebration that is widely considered to be the original Thanksgiving. So, it took us about an hour, but there it is, baby. Thanksgiving. Yeah. We don't actually know a lot, historically, about this particular gathering. It's really, what we know about it is based off of, like... Four sentences wrote in like a book that um I guess he was like the mayor of this um of uh, of this settlement um William Bradford William Bradford had wrote and basically he had just wrote that like you know the natives had uh came they had uh, they had a bountiful harvest and that fucking um we brought the lobster they brought the deer they we, we brought yeah, the eight dollar lobster we brought the fowl Shit. what the fuck is fowl fowl's chicken yeah yeah, yeah. okay they, but they probably did not have turkey though that's that's kind turkey, of the important wild thing. turkeys were native to the land so like but it, it's not necessarily stated that there was turkey bro you know benjamin franklin tried to make the turkey the national See, bird I yeah it, man. Like, no, yeah versus yeah, yeah. the bowl like could you imagine our freedom bird was a turkey versus a, a bald this giant monstrous eagle that kills everything no we were gonna have a fucking turkey well he actually had reasons for that and that is actually why it eventually became like kind of the synonymous uh food of um thanksgiving but uh, Benjamin Franklin, he didn't want the bald eagle because bald eagles are technically scavengers. They're basically vultures. Yeah, I mean they do they they'll eat dead shit. But like, dude, the last time I saw a bald eagle, it was like it was like I was in Virginia Beach and it's on the fucking road. I just saw a bald eagles roll up and pick up like a dead like. <laughs> you remember that video on Facebook? Like yeah. a year ago, yeah. like there it was all over the news and shit. A bald it's, eagle was eating a cat. A yeah. dead Randy. cat on yeah. Grammy Street. It's a black cat too, and I have a black cat, and I was so I was so upset. I was so upset. It was a sad day for America. It's a tough watch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but this is this was really it. So this, I guess we got to kind of talk about this for a little bit. This is like the big Thanksgiving. There were a couple other Thanksgiving uh, feasts before this in other places, like in Virginia. There was one, I believe, in Texas. One in North Carolina. Um, like Thanksgiving was a thing to the to um, a lot of pilgrims. Um, but this is like the one that we talk about in school, and it was a three day feast with ninety warriors and just the fucking people. Yeah, ninety you imagine of the fucking how- Wampanoag, fucking the thing. warriors specifically. So this was like a yeah, yeah, like we're chilling, but like it I got I got a- that heat. 
It was probably a little tense. Was that was that tense. was probably a whack fucking party, dude. I don't know, man. There was foul, bro. There ain't nobody beer, nobody drinking corn, a, a bunch corn. of eels. Do you imagine just going to a, a bunch of uptight Christian like Amish people and like but this partying them, for three days? This like, is them letting loose though. So yeah, they're like, letting loose. Like Mary, I think, so I think they drank. I do so think we're they drank. singing. Mary praises. Beth had an extra uh, <laughs> glass of water. <laughs> we're singing praises to to God, and we're and they weren't even. What were they fucking? Doing, yeah, but honestly? like. <laughs> Baptists haven't come out yet, so like, ain't nobody really singing. No, for a, what the fuck were they doing for three days? Yeah, just, just like, there? just like, <laughs> well, they didn't even like pray, like they didn't even kneel or like pray, like for real, right? Because like that was like a Catholic. They, they, they were, just like, stood oh, that's there. That's too Catholic. The, the, a good time to the to the to the brownest was starving yourself for three days. Yeah, so <laughs> like the, <laughs> that, that party, that party sucked. The the Native Americans were probably chill because they're like, yeah, we're chilling for three well, days. I heard they were singing and there was dancing. So yeah, probably all on their side. Like them brownest, they just sitting there looking like doo doo. Yeah, imagine you have like a bunch of like Mormons go to like the club. <laughs> That's kind of like the scene right here, and they're, they're not like, killing uh, the vibe, but they're—I mean, well, they gotta no, be they kill, the vibe. they kill, they kill, they—the natives are like the Mormons. Bro. The Mormons are—they're are, not, they're not trying to shut the shit down, but they're—they're uh, they're just like there. They're like, hey, um, in between like your line of coke, like, hey, uh, you want to talk about Jesus? <laughs> you talk about uh, um, David? What was it, what was the guy? Uh, King David of the Jews? King no, no, Jews? yeah, yeah, whatever. You want to yeah, talk about it? it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, you want yeah, yeah. to talk about? Talk about Jesus? Yeah. So it was a whole thing. But moving on past the first, the, the big Thanksgiving, um, as time went on, Squanto began to believe that he could actually do a better job as the leader of the Wampanoag than Massasoit because of his English-speaking skills. He's like, I should be Satchel. Yeah, because you got to think, even at the first Thanksgiving, you've got all these Native people and all these English people. They don't speak the same language, so Squanto's just, like, running around. He's like, <laughs> someone's like, I tell this mate thine wife is an arse or something like that. And uh, then he's just uh, like... Uh, gee, uh, Satchem, uh, William Bradford says that the eel is good, but it's a little overdone. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell that motherfucker he can fuck. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> gotta cut I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, uh... We gotta have a few, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm on an episode of The Simpsons right now oh, with that accent. Like it's Mo or, or uh, Apu. Apu. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, it's probably bad. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, but to kind of wrap up this side of the story, uh, Tusquantum did eventually die of a fever, go figure, in 1622, um, but he served historians as an emblem of the so-called noble savage archetype for centuries, while his true story as a man sold into slavery in a foreign land, um, only to come back and see the extinction of his own people... Has largely just been ignored. Yeah. That's the story. That's the famous Squanto. We just kind of don't talk about the that. whole seven hundred club. Was just like, oh no, he's he's a Christian. <laughs> I was. They talked about the slavery shit at least, though. Yeah, the, that seven hundred club documentary did talk about that. Yeah, yeah, I, they I probably talk place. about the slavery like all the time, and like, but look how look how it turned out for him. Yeah, rough rough look for the seven hundred club. That was a rough one. So, to really tell the full story of Thanksgiving, we have to talk a little bit about what the consequences were of this allyship uh, between the Wampanoag tribe and the early pilgrims. There was a lot that came after this that would prove to be even, like, 
just a symptom of the overall colonialization and genocide of the natives in this country. Yeah, literally the children and grandchildren of the people uh, at this this meeting would have been killing each other Yeah, within the next, like, 20 to 50 years. Yeah, so while the Thanksgiving celebration of 1621 was, in fact, relatively peaceful, what followed throughout the next half century would see mounting political turmoil between the natives and the increasing numbers of English colonists that were landing in New England. So it's important to remember that the English were fueled by this really toxic combination of capitalist goals to exploit the country, as well as their conservative Christian religion, which gave them a deadly prejudice against the, quote, savage, uncivilized, godless, godless, heathen, indigenous natives. So to kind of really deliver this home is like basically that capitalist shit is working in the United States. The people that we're talking about before, the people that really just came here just to make money, there's more and more of them coming because they're hearing about the successful settlement. They're like, all right, the natives are cool out there. Yeah, we'll just bring our settlement. Yeah, my boys will bring their settlement. Hey, let's make fucking families out here. Let's make whole societies out here. And shit is getting kind of intense because the natives are still just chilling there. Yeah, we're starting to get a little outnumbered here. Starting to get a little crowded here. Yeah. And around this, the year 1660, Chief Massasoit passed away, thus ending his relatively diplomatic relationship be- between the colonists and the Wampanoag and introducing his oldest son, Wamsutta, to the new position of head chief of the Wampanoag Confederation. Yeah, he became the sachem. But this new generation and some of these newer settlers are not so... Uh, not so worried about these alliances. Yeah. Yeah, like he's like Wamsada is coming into a really difficult political situation where like he's like he he has this legacy of his father that was like kind of peaceful with the the English, but now he's inheriting like a whole new type of problem. There's way more English. Well, the English are coming over now and they're not they didn't have to go through the hardships that the original settlers went through, so like they, they didn't get the assistance. They're not seeing the the worth in the Native Americans anymore because they're not mm. benefiting directly from their help anymore. Exactly. In their eyes. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're just like, why not fucking just kill them? That's what, that's what we've been doing for hundreds of years over there. Why don't, you know, this is our shit now. Fuck it. Yeah, they had trade to motivate them. Um, to, they had guns to kill, and they had religion to make them not feel bad about it, yep. basically. So to signify his relationship with the Plymouth colonists, Wamsutta and his younger brother Medicom requested English names. Wamsutta was thereby named Alexander, and Medicom was afterwards named Philip. Great names. Great names, I guess. <laughs> like Philip Breezer. So yeah. shouts to all our Alexanders and Phillips out there. Yeah, yeah. So shit was getting kind of <laughs> rough. So because of a petty land dispute, Alexander the king was, uh, or the chief Alexander, I guess, was captured and interrogated by the Plymouth settlers. But while with the settlers, Alexander had mysteriously fallen ill and died before he could head back home. And it's widely believed that he was actually killed by the English settlers. Yeah, it was all fugues to begin with because, like, uh, uh, Wamsetta is, like, the sachem. He's, like, the big dog. Like, how the fuck is he getting accused of petty land disputes with the English here? Yeah, exactly. He's like, like we, we already own this shit. Like, yeah. this is our land. Like, so it's fugues from the top. So, like, and then he ends up fucking... It, it gets figured out and he's let go, but then he fucking dies before he gets home. Like, this is bullshit. Yeah. So, because of the death of his brother, Medicom became the new chief of the Wampanoag, thus granting him his more infamous name, King Philip. Mm-hmm. 
King Philip's son of Chief Massasoit. So King Philip actually enjoyed a brief relative peace with the colonists until about four years later um, in 1971, a rumor had spread to the Plymouth colonies. In 1971? And sorry, in 1671. Yeah, in the so 70s. Like bell yeah, bottoms man. and shit. And <laughs> Chief Philip was just like a totally hip dude. He was like <laughs> super he was definitely He was definitely a cheech. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there were rumors that were spread to the Plymouth colonies about the Wampanoag and the Narragansett uh, planning to battle the settlers. Although most people think this is bullshit because the Wampanoag always had issues with the Narragansett. Yeah, so it didn't even make sense from uh, to it, begin with. You it, know, good old propaganda. Exactly. Yeah. So King Philip was Tensions summoned. Tensions are rising, you know. Yeah. King Philip was summoned. Wars and rumors of wars. Yeah. So your boy was summoned by the colonists where he agreed to surrender the tribe's weapons, although many historians believe that there was never any kind of war brewing, and Philip was really just trying to, like, keep do, peace. Yeah, do whatever he could. He was like, look, just take our weapons, just chill out, bro. So they were like, there's weapons, there's WMDs over there, and we didn't need you to give them up, or we're coming in yeah, to basically. take your maze. Imagine in modern day America, like, uh, the president just decides, like, he's going to give the weapons, like, because some invaders were like oh well you guys are planning on killing us and he's like yeah. all right all right all americans give your weapons like that's exactly what they think is happening yeah dude. This <laughs> like, i mean basically the english were just like yo we got a lot of natives around here let's just make up some rumors about how they're planning to attack us that'll justify us taking their weapons so things are getting kind of rough around and, the village i mean and, that's I what mean, we did with iraq yeah fortunately yeah. king philip was being real cool about that yeah. Although in the coming years, these tensions would continue to mount between the settlers and the surrounding natives, um, and they both started to stockpile weapons in case of a sudden civil war. It was basically like a little cold war between the the, uh, the natives and the settlers. Yeah, everyone's like gearing up. There's, like I said, wars and rumors of wars. Everyone's just stockpiling weapons, and uh, the, the, the tinder is uh, getting ready to get lit. Yeah, and, and these, like, natives, they actually had, like, muskets and shit. Because they were talking, like, all of these different... They had all kinds of different, like, English settler colonies around. I mean, it had been, like, 150, almost 200 years of fucking, you know, uh, Europeans coming over and trading yeah. fucking weapons and shit. They're, yeah. not, they're not unfamiliar to a yeah, fucking real musket quick, that, at this that, point. That tender shit just fucked me up for a second. Because I was like, why... What do you mean tender's getting ready to get Oh, yeah, yeah. They are here fucking? I think I was... (laughs) And then I was like, oh, yeah, tinder, fire. Is it it kinder? I think it's kinder. Is that the word? No, no. It's tinder. 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 Yeah, I mean, that's why their symbol is the fire. That's the app, yeah. but, But, like... I, it's so ingrained in my head. Like I was just like, "What they about to be fucking? Like what?" Like, so oh, the God. settlers and the natives matched on Tinder. That Tinder was and about, it's to, about be to be lit. <laughs> they fucking. I wish we had uh, Maddie saying, "They fucking him." Like that. From that they court. getting fucked tonight. <laughs> they getting fucked tonight. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, really, everybody was getting fucked tonight because, like, (laughs) (laughs) the colonists had mad guns, the natives got mad guns, but the natives actually knew how to use them because they were really, like, hunting. The natives were still like, yeah, like, we hunt, we're, like, still, like... Where are they getting the guns from, though? They're getting them from the settlers, they're getting them from all the different... Yeah, for 150, 200 years almost at this point. They're not unfamiliar to the musket at this point, and... They're in the field using them shits every day, so, like, yeah. yeah. So this isn't, like, today where you think, like, oh, it's just a bunch of colonists that can just kind of go in and, and kill everybody. It is what it is. These colonists were still not, like, very populous. They were just, like, some some scallywags from England, just a few dudes. Yeah, this was real up in the air on how this would go if, because uh, it was looking like it could go either way. 
if yeah. shit hit the fan. And some pretty... It was a real Trump-Biden, if you know what I mean. Honestly, some real kind of like modern political par- parallels kind of exist right here because what they had done was the uh, the the English accused three natives of, like, being evil, basically. And they had uh, of some fuck shit. They falsely accused them of, like, I think murder, actually. It was, it was just some fuck shit that was Godless. made up in the air. And um, when they had a, uh, a jury, like, the jury was just all English white people and, like, a few um, convert converted uh, natives. So they were just like, yeah, fuck these guys because we're they're racists like that that's all there was to it at the end of the day they did not give a shit and so the tribes were pissed about this they're like yo like you just took in three of our dudes you just killed us and uh or you're just killing our dudes like and uh uh king philip actually like put out this decree to the people he was like yo this these are all the different ways that you have fucked us over he had like a huge list throughout the past like 60 years um really 100 years of just uh, he was like yo I've had it with y'all. This is the list of the fuck shit. This is the fuck shit list. Yeah, this is just a straw that broke the camel's back. And in ni- in, sorry, in 1675, a war broke out between the English and the native tribes known as King Philip's War. Yeah, and it was it was a bloodbath. Yeah. So, King Philip declared war, and in June, a band of warriors raided a Plymouth settlement, to which the colonists responded to by trying to seize King Philip to end the rebellion. But, of course, that did not fucking work. So while the colonists used old school methods of fighting by lining up uh, and trying to mow down their opponents, the natives actually utilized their understanding of the environment to engage in what we would now call guerrilla style warfare. Bro, they, yeah, the settlers were all like, "Oh, it's war time! Get your wigs! Yeah, yeah. grab Dude, the drums!" Nothing pisses me <laughs> yeah. off the more like more than like revolutionary like era like war tactics. Dude, what? That shit was ridiculous! Like, okay, let's just line up. Let's line up in lines, look directly across from each other, and just shoot each other until (laughs) the other side just dies the most. Like, there's no tactics, no no formation. Like, it's just like, alright, let's all stand in a line and just blow each other away. So dumb! It was all tactics, no formation. Yeah. That, or no tactics, all formation. I guess that yeah, shit yeah, was yeah, working yeah. back in, like, England, whenever they were, like, going out to war to do other shit. They were just, like, they just had the line, and they were, like, old reliable. Put them in a line and just shoot. <laughs> like, but the natives were, like, no, like, we know this place. And the natives were actually getting a huge no, one-up on I'm flanking you, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. By, seven, by 1676, several colonies had actually been defeated and abandoned due to the native uprising. Like, they were losing the fight. Yeah. Wasn't looking good. But uh, the natives, however, um, because of the war conflict, they'd had, they'd had to neglect their crops, and they started to starve. Thus began the decline of the native people in King Philip's War. They were busy fucking fighting. They weren't growing shit. Yeah, and it was getting real bad, and this is fucked Which up. Which is important in the 1600s. You can't just stop growing shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like They're just like, yo, all we do is fight. We don't have any more food. Like, what the fuck's good? So shit was getting a little bit Welcome rough. Welcome back to the start. Wait a minute, times. wait a minute, wait a minute. So they weren't worried about education or infrastructure, and they were just putting all their money into war? Well, we're talking about the natives right now, but yes. Oh. Wow. What? <laughs> so this is fucked up. The colonists during this time were eventually approached by a Christian convert Wampanoag named John Alderman who snitched on King Philip. So he was a native that converted to Christianity, and he's just like, yo, I know where he's at. Damn, so he's straight Takashi 6 Yeah, I was about to say, yep. punk-ass Takashi. You know he's got a fucking documentary on Hulu now that just dropped? I saw it, and I yeah. will not, watch I'm, it. I'm not going to watch, watch it. I'm not going to watch I'm that gonna shit. I'm going to watch it because I want to know what's going on. Yeah, but, but, but you but know like, he get money from that. He's just so, like, 
He so played out. He's like, I gotta, I gotta get some of that. Hulu you couldn't money. even get a Netflix documentary. No you gotta one, go to fucking Hulu. Yeah, Ain't nobody no, watching documentaries. Yeah, no on one's Hulu? checking for Takashi Six Nine, and that's a sad thing. Yeah, man. John Alderman, aka the Takashi Six Nine of uh, the sixteen hundreds. I mean, he famously did have a um, sixty nine uh, tattooed on his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, John Alderman. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, Native Americans had tattoos. He was like, Yo, bro, I know where he's at. I know King Philip. He's in the underbrush right there. Your Honor. Your Honor, he right there. <laughs> your honor. Yo, I let my nuts drag. Yo, yo, get this dude. Yo, Lark, yo. Hark, hark low, Your Honor. <laughs> so, on August 12th, the settlers ambushed King Philip, and it was John Alderman himself that delivered the mortal musket shot, thus killing Chief Mamasset. It'd be your own people, man. It'd be your own, it'd be your own family, man. That is some, that, that really is some Takashi 6 9 shit, actually, right now. He straight up killed the whole homie. Yeah, but he killed him, but what happened afterwards was even worse. They took him back. Oof. They brought him back. They decapitated your boy King Philip, put his head on a pike, and they quartered his body. Yeah, like, they, they cut his limbs off, for those of you. You uncultured swine. You don't, you don't know what quartered Yeah, and it said that his fucking head remained on a spike at fucking uh, the Plymouth Settlement for decades. Yeah. As a reminder of what happens when you fuck with us. That's what happens when you fuck with God. Yeah. Shit was fucked, man. Real uh, Lannister shit there. But the battles would continue until after the Treaty of Casco was signed in 1678. But it is estimated that 3,000 of the 20,000 natives in New England of that area had died in the battle. Yikes. Yeah. And that kind of began, like, really the history of just Happy being, like, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm thankful for all the dead Native Americans that allowed <laughs> us to found freedom. <laughs> yeah. That's, but, like, I say that ironically, but that's a lot of people's mindset. That, yeah, that that's is. That's fucking yeah. crazy. That's basically, like, and we'll get into it when we get to the segment. Um, the segment um, when we confront Thanksgiving itself, but the titular uh, segment, the titular segment, are the good times killing us? Um, but yeah, that's that's the story of Thanksgiving. I mean, the the real story of Thanksgiving. I mean, we can kind of run over a couple of the things that lead to what it is now. We already talked about Benjamin Franklin. That's the reason that tur- the turkey became like the big bird of Thanksgiving. So yeah, because Thanksgiving doesn't just become an american culture thing from that story yeah like alone. it was scattered like when there were like big harvests or there were like big victories they'd be like hey let's throw a thanksgiving but it wasn't really formalized or anything yeah, like it is now because the settlers were still what they would have called thanksgiving would have been a more like uh uh pious type of thing just giving thanks to god it wasn't and, and fasting like we said earlier it the wasn't opposite like, of yeah eating <laughs> of, of what we do today but over over the years in the americas it's like we got settled like uh it would become a thing that certain people, especially in the northern, in this part of the country where we are currently, uh, would 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 celebrate a, a type of a, a Thanksgiving, a feasting ritual in the autumn time. Yo, real quick. I know you said fasting is the opposite of eating. I feel like shitting is the opposite of eating. <laughs> mm, no, expel- no, you're spelling it. Yeah. yeah, you might be right. Yeah, yeah, I just you know semantics, but you know I just in, in a way it's the it's the opposite of the act of eating. Nah, like I, shitting is still yeah. If yeah. eating, yeah, if eating is consuming, you're putting food in you and shittings, you're taking the food then out. Yeah, yeah, shitting is is yeah, extracting. So what if what if that was like their thing? 
They're like, what's up? I said, Ian, let's just shit. And <laughs> all the heads are open today. Oh, they're they're brownest, <laughs> so they're just shitting for God. <laughs> what if, today we shatter, <laughs> shatter our shame. They just they just use like sheep fat to like glue their butt cheeks, and they're like, I'm saving all my shit for Thanksgiving. But oh, he might have got to take a shit. But oh, you've got to wait until Thanksgiving. You take right? shit for the Lord on the Thanksgiving. So people would celebrate like kind of like, like just not not in a like uh, all together way, but you know, in the north, and it was celebrated. Some people would celebrate a kind of harvest ritual in the in in the autumn. And over Did time, you just say ritual, you fucking a pagan? A harvest festival I mean, or, or some yeah. type of harvest celebration oh. for, you know, a bountiful harvest or whatnot and give thanks, you know, to God and whatnot. By shitting. And uh, over time, it just became, like, kind of a, a weird, like, celebration. An on-the-low kind of celebration. Yeah, very low-key celebration. And, and it wasn't until, like, the 19th century where uh, really... If we talk about how how Thanksgiving became more of the thing that we celebrate today, what we know it as, we got to give it up to what they call the mother of Thanksgiving. We're talking about Sarah Josepha Hale. Sarah Josepha Hale, straight up. The, hark! The, hark, Sarah Josepha Hale, the baby mama of Thanksgiving. She was really, uh, I guess, grew up in a family that did celebrate these traditions and she was like a traditional person. Actually, crossover to our Christmas origin episode. She also fucking was someone who was in uh, um, advocating at the same time for bringing for Christmas and bringing Christmas trees into the house. She was like, "Yo, let's have fun. Let's have yeah, some holidays." She actually, was an author, and she had an editorial. It was like a women's magazine type thing. Uh, but it was very influential, and she was a very well-respected woman in her time. And um, she would, she was a traditional kind of like holiday-type person. And Thanksgiving was something that she advocated for big time. She uh, would write literally a letter every year to governors of the state saying that we need to make this a national holiday. And then after, I guess, decades of doing this, she was just like, well, now i got to just write letters to the president. This would actually take years to do, all right, to governors and stuff. Well, let me just shoot to the president. And, and it wasn't until, like, her late days of, of dying where Abraham Lincoln, in 1863, declared uh, the last Thursday of November as a Thanksgiving because she was from New England, so her tradition of Thanksgiving was specifically tied to the story that we just talked about, specifically like the brownest Puritan colonist. So as you guys know, that decree was the most famous decree Abraham Lincoln put out in his entire presidency. Yeah, that was the one? <laughs> that was the decree. That was the, the Thanksgiving <laughs> Proclamation of 1863. <laughs> that was the That's... biggest decree he put out. You heard All of the Abraham. Low, Abraham Lincoln was kind of bossing out. Man. He, I mean, he made some good moves. He wasn't the best guy, but he made some really solid moves. He fucking freed the slaves. And he got Thanksgiving. He, he declared Thanksgiving after long advocations from Sarah Josepha Hale. Kind of ironic when you think about the origins of Thanksgiving, but anyway. Also, Sarah Josepha Hale also wrote... Um, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Mary Had a Little Lamb. I don't fuck with that. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> bro, that's a bop. Bro, I don't about? fuck with that shit, bro. Nah. <laughs> see, how many, see how many listens it has on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. She's still making money, damn. I'm yeah, I ain't listening. never heard that shit in the club, bro. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, uh, in, so in 1863, it became a national holiday. After the Civil War, too. This is like, this is like basically, Abraham Lincoln's trying to make, like, political moves to kind of, like, unite the country. He just hosted a whole fucking Civil War, and he was like, 
All right. Uh, I thought they, the, I thought the Civil War ended at sixty five. This was during the Civil War. Oh, it was during the Civil War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, bro. No, I'm pretty sure that like he made it like a federal holiday after the Civil War because he was trying to unite people. It was in 1863 for yeah. sure. Okay, so he was uniting the North. He, he was trying to. This was for like a time to heal. He had his own agenda for. Um, Making Thanksgiving a national holiday, but yeah, yeah. it became a national holiday for the last Thursday of uh, November, and I guess it just stayed that way until 1930. Well, uh, 60 years later, in the 1920s, the NFL was formed, and the, and the Detroit Lion design uh, devised the concept of like a football game thing, that, and that's kind of like when you start getting like this idea of like it being like a jamboree, like it's an American fucking yeah, holiday. Yeah, we get some sports in the mix, but uh, in uh, it was in the like late 1930s where uh, uh, FDR actually changed. He declared the the national holiday Thanksgiving like be changed to the third Thursday oh, of wow. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Huh. And so to allow for more time for shopping for Christmas. And that's where we get into it. It is in 1924, the Macy's first Thanksgiving Day parade had begun, thus oddly continuing Thanksgiving's capitalist tradition with the following day being designated as Black Friday, the official start of the holiday buying season. So like Christmas, by the early 20th century, Thanksgiving is fully capped. Yeah, like, it's capping. Yeah, I, and I didn't even mention like when we're talking about like our personal Thanksgiving shit. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is like my shit. Like on Thanksgiving morning, before I do any of that shit, like I turn on the TV and I like try and find the fucking uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade just because it's like a it's like a weird tradition of mine. I never, I never, I really? never yeah, fucking it watch yeah. it. I watched it when I was a kid. I've yeah. always hated it. Yeah, and, and I, I'm not really, like, up to date with all the pop culture references and of the floats that they're doing and shit, but it's just kind of a weird comfort thing for me. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I mean, Thanksgiving for most of us, because it's like, it is a uniting time. It's when families get together. You can kind of feel connected to everybody in a way. You're like, hey, we're all watching this fucking parade. Yeah. It's all good, you know. I don't watch the game, you know. I don't, I, I don't know. You know you're not a football boy? I, you know, I'm not a sports dude. I'm but. not either. I mean, yeah, but the the real thing here is that, like, the Thanksgiving that we know, which we just kind of glossed over, didn't really start until the mid, like, 19th century. But the mythology of Thanksgiving is largely glossed over. Like, the mythology or the mythology or the real story behind it has been glossed over by this kind of capitalist, um, you know, football buying, eating day. That football didn't start until culture. much later on. Football culture took over. Hamburg, hamburger culture. Hamburger Humbugger. culture. At its best, hamburger Com- culture. Completely absorbed Thanksgiving. Um, so, actually, you know what? I think I think we're about ready to get into this segment. So we can get and give our final takes. All right. So, so let's th- it all together. Alrighty, y'all. So, this is when we ask, are the good times killing us? Is Thanksgiving a good thing or a bad thing? Because you all know that we have an immense amount of clout and we affect the culture as we know it. So this is when the three kings decide whether or not Thanksgiving is a good thing or a bad thing. Should we throw it out or no? Hey, real quick, let's uh, let's all take Christian names for this one. My name's David. I'll be Mark. Yeah. I'll be Kyle. <laughs> I, think, I, I think Kyle is actually uh, from Scandinavia. I think it's actually like an old like Norse name. So what, what's your Christian name? So what's name? your Christian name? Thomas. A uh, Luke. Luke, I like it. Luke, uh, dude, all I got, right. you got Luke vibes. I used to love that every fucking Sunday when I went to church, they were like, "All right, let's turn to Luke," and I'd just be like, "Fucking Star Wars, man!" <laughs> all right, actually, let me go into this on a little bit better. Hawk, 
Thine, thine hath come before the kings of Plymouth and uh, the Good Times of Canucks podcast. Upon this rock. Upon this rock. Upon which we stand. Upon which we stand to talk to thine king David, thine king Mark, and thy king Luke of Brevshire. To of speak it, Of Scroopy. To speak, to speak of whether thine art killing us. I'll spearhead this one. Mm. Thanksgiving. Baby. As a whole. A holiday I've always loved. A holiday... I think a lot of people, honestly, that are in our age range, a lot, the demographic of this podcast, like, we know there's some fuckery going on with Thanksgiving. We know it's not the shit that we grew up in, in elementary school thinking it was. We've known that for a long time, whether we know the hard details of it, which if you made it to this point in the podcast, you know at least a lot more, or not. You're a little bit more woke. Yeah. So, um, I think, honestly, man... The the origins, we've always known it was on some fuck shit. And we could say the same thing about a lot of holidays. We did a, a Christmas episode last year. That was sick. We, it was all pagan shit. It was yeah, sick. you know, yeah, that shit's all sick. Yeah, but it's not it's not what the, the shit you think it is as a kid. It's not fucking Santa Claus. It's not Easter Bunny. And it's not fucking pumpkins and buckles on your shoes and your hats, you know? There's real history behind it with real consequences. Real people died and real people suffered and, you know. But that's not what Thanksgiving meant to me as a kid. And growing up, as someone who has my own family, basically, and a lot of these holidays that, like, I don't completely subscribe to whatever the true origins are. And I don't completely subscribe to whatever my parents told me it was or whatever they believe it still is now. I kind of you kind of take some of that and you make your own shit. You make your own traditions, and I'm a big like make your own traditions person with my family, and so <clears throat> Thanksgiving means something a little different to me. It means a lot about like taking a moment. I mean, it means a lot about eating and like you know having a good bountiful meal, but it means a lot about taking a moment and uh, just being grateful for some of the things that you have. That you don't, you know, you need to, it, I mean, it sucks that we have to have a designated day for it, but, you know, you should do it every day, but, like, it's good to have a designated day for it, where you're like, you know what, I'm gonna take today and literally just think about how fucking blessed I am, and fucking, uh, that's what it means to me, and I enjoy it, and I think that everybody should really look into some of the history of it, and not believe the bullshit, the whitewash kind of shit that they teach you in school. I think they sh- maybe shouldn't teach you that in school, or at least not teach you complete lies, but just, like... Uh, just skim over so much, really. Yeah, you know, like... um. But I think you can take some of that stuff and, and make your own traditions. And so I'm going to say Thanksgiving, the good times are not killing us. Damn. I'm going to keep Thanksgiving. So, uh, Thanksgiving, baby. You've come to the Kings. Um... Yeah, I mean, my whole thing about like Thanksgiving is we're, we're the the origins of it were given to has a sort of like uh, mythology of America. It's just it's just kind of idea that kind of in, like makes everything super innocent, right? It's like a warm blanket that we all wear. Yeah. The mythology of America being like founded by like, just rugged individualists and these uh, uh, people trying to seek religious freedom. You know, there's something to that, but overall. 
like that the fact that we can wear this warm blanket of this mythology of America that makes us feel so comfortable the reason like the fact that we can wear that at all and we if we ignore like the real origins of where that mythology comes from, then who are we to not acknowledge all the other mythology that still exists? Who are we to not acknowledge all the terrible things that are going on right now, which are a result of that same mythology that is built in this country as a sort of propaganda, uh, a propagated tool to make people not want to question the motives of the country at any point. And I think uh, I'm not saying that Thanksgiving is just a big propaganda tool, but in the sense that we don't talk about this story like way more often, the fact that like, like we need to be talking about this on the regular. I think this is something that we all really need to like recognize. Like this is kind of us untethering or unthreading that warm quilt of the mythology of America. And I think that we should acknowledge what the story is. I think it should be taught more in schools, the full story of it. Um, when we look at the genocide of the natives, it is absolutely remarkable. And the fact that this is kind of like the only testament we really have when we acknowledge them is insane. The genocide of the natives might have been the largest extinction of people that has ever occurred on this planet outside of the Ice Age. I mean, it might look, make the fucking Black Death look small. It might make the Holocaust look small if we really knew those numbers. Um, which estimates say that it is. It was the worst thing to ever happen to any group of people in history. And it's just remarkable to me that the only way that we really take time to, like, think about the natives at all is just on Thanksgiving, and we act like it's all good. Um, on that same note, I do love Thanksgiving. I've had a lot of really great uh, Thanksgiving memories. I do uh, get into the whole idea of, like, um, saying what you're thankful for, and I think that that's actually great. Overall, the, the general sentiment of, of Thanksgiving is really fucking positive, like what it's really turned into. Um, but for me... Uh, as much as I kind of want to say the good times are all good, as much as I really want to love Thanksgiving, I'm going to have to say as a sort of protest vote, just for the fact that we need to acknowledge this, because it will change the way that we perceive so much other stuff in this country, this idea that we can make America great again, for example. All these fucking silly myths that we have, if we can undo one myth, then hopefully we can start undoing others. So for that, the prevalence of that myth, that being what Thanksgiving is to me right now, I'm going to have to say... That the good times are fucking killing us, and they have killed millions of people. Oof. All right, K-Town. You line up the old tobacco leaf. All right, so it's 1-1. It's, uh, it's one, one. It can go any way. It's any man's game. This is a democracy. Mayflower Compact, baby. Thanksgiving to me, especially now learning all this shit that I never knew before, I mean... It's always been just this handshake between the Native Americans and the settlers, and it was just this cool thing. And it's <clears throat> just like everything you learn about American history, like Payne was saying, you're always wrapped in this warm blanket of everything. Um, it's all this cookie-cutter clean. We were rugged. We were survivalists. We wanted freedom, and we got it, and now we're free. And... I love America. I, I truly do think this is the greatest country in the world. I, I love everything about this country. I I love the opportunities we have here, the the um the liberties we have. Um and it always it wasn't always like that. Um I we were founded on a lot of death, um, racism, slavery and we owe a lot to Native Americans. We owe a lot to blacks, 
we owe a lot to a lot of people that aren't given their fair share of thanks or even reparations. Um, Native Americans got completely decimated. We committed genocide on their people and all they have to show for is a couple square feet of land and um, some casinos and no taxes. And it's, it's bullshit. Um, It's really sad to think about like how much they influenced every aspect of our life. If it wasn't for them, those people would not have lived. Our diets are consisted of food that they introduced to us. Corn, tomatoes, stuff like that. Like squash. Squash. Like, I mean, this is shit that has kept us alive through a fucking millennium. And they have nothing for it. Like they, they we shat on them, we killed them, we raped, we pillaged. It was fucking atrocious. Um I definitely when I sit down with my family this year, um, that's something I'm going to think about. I mean, usually the holiday is, I've always known there was some bullshit behind it, but I've never looked into it. And you know, that's kind of that American privilege we have. Everything's bullshit behind it, but we kind of just gloss over it because if we sat and thought about every fucking horrible thing we did, like that's all it would be is horrible. And I think that's the cool thing about America is that, we we were this shit fucking horrible nation and we've slowly gotten better and better over time <clears throat> but we still need to acknowledge the fact that we did those things we still need to look at what's going on in our country now and the shit we're repeating i mean history is there for a reason it's so important to study your own history and find out where the fuck you went wrong and how not to ever do that again and i think it's really i i I'm really glad I really going into this. I thought this was going to be a really boring fucking podcast. I didn't wasn't looking forward to doing this, but I've really enjoyed like learning about it just for the fact that like, this is something that people died for and something sacrificed. And it's another thing that we have to look back on and make sure it never happens again. Um, indigenous people have been never got a fair stick. Black people have never gotten a fair stick. And, I don't know if you guys ever uh, listened to Inside Out, but there's a really good live video. Oh, I love Inside Out. Um, well, no, not I'm talking to the audience, but um, of uh, what's the song? Um, no spiritual surrender. No, 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 no. Um, burning fight. Oh, where he yeah. does burning the speech fight. before yeah. burning. We used, cover, fight. we used to cover burning. That fight. fucking that fucking speech. Um, Zach oh, does yeah, yeah, before yeah. burning fight of that live video about indigenous people is probably one of the most like profound speeches on indigenous people that I've ever heard. You should for real put that in. Yeah. I like mean, that, honestly, yeah. like that is some straight up, like that's some uh, fucking biblical level I'll shit. He's, he's speaking. It's on YouTube. I got it pulled up right now. Um, that being said, I, I, I think Thanksgiving has turned into something completely different now. Um, it's a time where we can reflect and spend times with our families in a, in a world where, we're killing each other. We're our people are getting murdered in the streets by our own uh, agents of our government in a world where you don't know tomorrow if you're going to catch some horrible disease because somebody's a fucking piece of shit and won't wear a mask or goes to a bar full of 80 people and kisses everyone and does all this fucked up shit. There are a lot of things to be thankful for. And I think that as itself, as it is now, is a positive thing. It's something that we need. We need things to be thankful for. If we're not thankful for shit, we're not thinking about the good shit. We're just dwelling on negative shit. 
so in that aspect, I don't think the good times are killing us. Uh, Thanksgiving as a whole is um, current current day Thanksgiving is a is a thing. I do think, however, we need to like Payne was saying, kind of take off those rose colored glasses and really look at what's happened and where this came from and the sacrifices and the deaths we wrongfully put on people just for religion or fucking money. It all comes back down to money, man. Money is truly the root of all evil. At least acknowledge it. I mean, yeah, we, it's important. Like, this is definitely like, I'm going to probably piss off my family by bringing the mood down, but this is something I'll be talking about. Um, and it's something that I hope one day I can talk about to my kid and maybe he can pass down to his kid. Um, it's just, we can change the zeitgeist. Yeah. Just don't teach him a, it's really a whole fucking lie. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's really depressing that American history is just like this freedom fucking hot dog shoved down your throat. And (laughs) once you kind of peel back and read the back of the package and you look what's in that fucking hot dog, it's, it's kind of sickening and really depressing. (laughs) That's a great analogy. But um, <laughs> oh, shit. I don't know, man. Like this shit really depressed me. This shit really made me sad. I am thankful that we aren't there anymore. We're we're still doing really fucked up shit. We're still going to other countries and bombing people for no fucking reason. We're still killing black people in the street for no fucking reason. We're still coughing and killing people for no fucking reason through disease and pestilence. But I I think we're better. We're further from where we were at there. And we just need to remember this shit. Remember how far we come and how far we still have to go as a society. So what's your ultimate take? Ultimate take, it's not killing us. It's Mm. something we need to look back on and use as a lesson and move forward. That's that's what what I'm saying. I I think that, like, we we need to just acknowledge this shit. And I think... One thing that I found uh, looking into a lot of this stuff, because I wanted to get, like, uh, an indigenous person, a native's perspective on Thanksgiving. What do they think about this shit? They and do it's not fuck with it at all. Hurtful, it dude. is, like, considered, yeah. like, a, a day of mourning. It's a national day of mourning, dude. And um, and I think I think... I think I can, I can, I can take a little bit of that too. I think I can, I can mourn too. I think, it, I think honestly, it should be a day of remembrance. Of remembrance, yeah. it should exactly. be uh, a day of remembrance for suffering for indigenous people. Well, uh, Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, which is more commonly known as Black Friday, in some areas is known as uh, National Indigenous Peoples Day. So there is kind of like a wave that is trying to say, like, okay, you can have fun on Thanksgiving, but hey, you really need to acknowledge. This problem because this this really is this same issue has been echoed throughout time because what is it that really did all this what really caused the genocide of the natives it was uh, guns it was money and it was religion and that same exact thing is going on today in this country um, so yeah I agree like Thanksgiving is awesome I'm still going to celebrate it but yeah I'm in the future like after doing this episode in particular. It's like I got some more things I want to talk about, you know, just kind of talk about. And it's Thanksgiving dinner, you know, so there's always you can be that person at Thanksgiving who's like, yeah, but did you know about Chief Master Sow It and like to squonsum? And, you you know, that's what that's what you're supposed to do on Thanksgiving. You're supposed to get all political and then your uncle's going to get all pissed about the fucking ballots. Well, the crime rate goes up 20 percent in late November. Ooh, yeah. Wow. People lose their shit and fucking around Thanksgiving. So maybe we should lose some of that it's, capitalist it's, it's aspect a, of it. Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole melting pot of a bunch of different like explosive variables that make people kind of crack off. You, you know what my you know what my take is on on Thanksgiving. You know what I'm gonna call it from now on. I'm gonna call it 
takes giving. Because <laughs> that's what it really is. <laughs> you take your friend's food, you take the native's land, and you go to Walmart and you take all the PlayStation or the, the Xboxes and shit. K Town, you couldn't look any less like unlike. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's really just fucking depressing, dude, that like. No matter what we look at in our past, man, we were just fucking monsters, dude. And, like, we still aren't where we need to be. Well, and, we, we got to do better every day, man. We, as a I know, society, but, you know, we, you got, we, you got we, people, like, fucking neo-Nazis in the street, like, stabbing people and, like, fucking marching on Washington. Like, it's just, like... You got a lot of beautiful shit happening they every got day guns, that no one's talking about. They got too. guns and they got faith. The only thing they're missing is capitalism. Well, it, it's just, but they do find that in their own ways. It's just fucking crazy, man. Well, you, yes. Well, like we said, on Thanksgiving, you should still take time to be thankful. And you know what I'm really thankful for? Is Headhunter69, baby. Yeah, yeah. Get me out of this funk, Headhunter. I love you, bro. Yeah, All so right. let's, let's read a review from he, your boy. He is literally the fucking the Chinese buffet cheesecake. At the end of the fucking <laughs> disgusting meal you just ate. Yes, he's he the is. one good thing you got to look forward to at the end. Our boy Headhunter fucking sixty nine is back. Yeah, he's been he's been gone from a few episodes, but he's been busy, baby. But he did review three episodes. Technically, kind of four. He briefly talked about Black Metal Veins, but yeah, he has a review of all of our Halloween episodes from Spooky October. All right, all right. It's just a threesome from your boy Headhunter sixty nine. Headhunter 69, review movies, podcasts, and more. I know I've been gone for a while. So today we have our first threesome. Hey, I'm going to hey. review the last three episodes of the Good Times Are Killing Us podcast. But there's some 69 in this say the last three, those are the three from the Boo Scare month of October. So we're going to do the episode where they reviewed spoiler cast Nightmare on Elm Street. The episode where they told us all about Aleister Crowley, which was kind of cool because I thought that was just a song from Ozzy Osbourne. That episode was so much and fun. And then Black Metal. Yes. They also did a fourth spoiler cast for a really fucked up movie that I just couldn't watch. <laughs> um, it was a lot about heroin and injecting and that stuff really bothered me. I actually saved someone's life with Narcan who was injecting heroin, so it's not something I want to relive, so we're going to skip that one. And I do want to say, I was going to say that uh, you know, with the threesomes, kind of like pizza. Even if you have a bad threesome, it's great. Hey, like, I don't know, man. You ever had Chinese uh, buffet pizza, bro? Every single episode so far of the Good Times are killing us podcast is just like sex and pizza. Even <laughs> when they're bad, they're really damn good. That's what I fucking need, man. Yeah, fucking dude. yeah, dude. Thank you, man. That that, that makes me. Leave my PS5 to come in here and record this depressing shit. Which I haven't seen in K-Town since PS5. Yeah, since that happened. (laughs) Sammy. I have yet to hear these guys do a horrible episode, a bad episode, even a marginal episode. Every single one has that I'm hanging out with my best friends, chilling and learning about stuff that I never knew before. So on to our um, reviews. So we'll start with a great movie. One of the movies that I saw in the theaters, that's how old my dumbass is, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I get a great synopsis. Your boy saw A Nightmare on Elm Street in the theaters. So he's like my mom's age. 1986, did we say it was? Generation X, baby. (laughs) He followed the whole versions having sex and they got killed. And I really do love uh, how 
they brought up like everyone dies, everybody gets killed, everybody gets fucking murdered, and at the end, the mom's like, "Hey, have a great day, kids." It just really brings back campy '80s movies. So yeah, five star episode. Great that job. That is definitely going, something um, to Nightmare. say, man. Campy '80s movies, like they just don't do camp anymore. No, no, no. There's no camp. Well, it's well, has a horror nerd myself. It's out there. You just gotta look. Not mainstream. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sounds great, guys. Off to Aleister Crowley. That motherfucker was wild. And I love the fact that the one dude figured him out and was like, hey, the dog uh, told me he was sorry, so we're going to hang out together and play fetch. Don't kill him. Uh, that was just awesome. And I also I don't know what he's talking about. You guys didn't mention, if you believe in reincarnation, which I don't believe in reincarnation, I don't believe in ghosts, I don't believe in spirits, I don't believe in any of that shit. Um, but if you do believe in reincarnation or you do believe in spirits, isn't it... Um, safe to assume that Aleister Crowley, uh, when he died, got reincarnated as Gigi Allen. Like, Gigi Allen is Aleister Crowley reincarnated because they were fucking pedophile, crazy-ass motherfuckers. Who yes, definitely. We said that, didn't yeah, we? Did we, we say it. that? Yeah, we did. So, I don't know if we said that. When did Aleister Crowley die and when did Gigi Allen get born? Because Gigi I think that was, like I think that was, like, really close together. Because Aleister Crowley, like... Aleister Crowley died in, like, the 40s, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Or at the very least, Gigi Allen was possessed by Aleister Crowley. Gigi Allen was born in 1956, and oh, so shit, he was fucking Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley died in 1947. So damn, so Gigi Allen straight up was fucking Aleister Crowley. Nine I thought years we mentioned. Later. I thought we said something about it in that. Episode. We did, we did, because we because we read one of his poems in. Uh, Gigi Allen's voice. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that was something I thought you you guys... I think you someone mentioned it quickly, but it kind of yes. went out the window. But uh, It was a long that, that podcast. Just, I, love that. Yeah. I love to learn yeah. about Aleister Crowley, how nuts he was, and I, I truly think if you believe in reincarnation, he's absolutely Gigi Allen reincarnated. <laughs> I 100% or, agree. I'm sorry. Aleister Crowley is reincarnated in Gigi Allen. I don't know how that shit works. And then last, uh, Black Metal. That that was something that I kind of thought I knew about, but not really. Um, I do like some more heavier metal, Cro-Mags, um, English Dogs. Hell yeah. And then when you get into the hard speed punk rock like Exploited, GBH. But then I started Googling Black Metal and I looked up Mayhem, Celtic Frost, <coughs> Hellhammer. Hell yeah. And a few other ones. And that, that's... It's good. It's fast. It's got a lot of energy to it. Yeah. Um, I was really bummed to hear about the guys dying and the suicides. And then I looked up that guy who went to jail. He's out. And he's got like seven kids and Banned he's in doing France. some weird shit. So that that uh, that death metal's got some um, words on punk rock or hardcore rock. We don't get that fucking. Dude, did you just call black metal death metal? Yeah. Dude. Fuck Vargas yeah, he's just out in the woods right now filming in SS gear. In yeah. His, in his fucking truck. I want to do a live video in Maddie's truck, by the way. Did I tell you guys? Oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. We will, we will, yeah. definitely. But now, the, uh, the the black metal was kind of wild. I, I, I will probably listen to some more Mayhem, because um, I liked some of that music that I heard. I'll probably Google some more uh, black metal and uh, see if I can add it to my uh, iPod. See what I what I like about that. But as usual, guys, I mean, just a fantastic episode. And I'm actually doing this late. Thank God we got rid of that orange fucking stain. Hey. Uh, and you guys just dropped an episode this Monday that I'm so going to listen to right after <laughs> I do this review. So I'll probably do another review in a couple days um, on the uh, voting episode. As usual, 
wash your hands, wear your mask, all that good stuff, pay your taxes, and you can have everything you want in life if you just have everyone else get what they want. As Headhunter69 says out, if you can't do that, trample the weak and hurdle the dead! <laughs> there we go. Hell fucking yeah. Dude, man, I've missed him so much. I was when you sent me that. I, I literally like texted you like the day before. And I was like, "Bro, is, like, is he okay? all right? Like, is my yeah. boy okay?" <laughs> I told him that. I was like, "We were worried about you, man. Good to hear from him again, man. Thank you for hitting us with the three, the three P." Yeah, and uh, man, what what an episode! What a what a fucking good time that was. And yeah, go back and listen to our election oof episode. That was kind of nice. We kind of had a little break from the intense research that we always do, but. Uh, next episode, we're actually coming to y'all with something a little bit different. Yeah, we're taking it easy. We're doing a, a bit of a. It's not going to be quite a bonus episode, but we're gonna, we're gonna, it's going to be a bit of a deep cut. We're talking about a local fo- folklore. Yeah, this is this is like a An story that some legend. people might really care about. Hopefully, <laughs> we we were in a in a, a fake band called. Well, it, it was a real band, but it was a fake tough guy band called Macrocross, and we're going to talk about it for a little bit. So. I have a Macrocross tattoo. We've talked about it here and there on the podcast. So if you want to get into some of that lore, that's what we're going to be talking about. And I think we're going to have our boy James D on this episode, so. who who was a founding member of Macrocross. He was yeah. he was the heart and brain of Macrocross. Yeah, always. Like, yeah, yeah. But we're running long, so we gotta we gotta shut this shit down, guys. Yeah, but that's gonna be a, a really good time. You're gonna be able to learn a little bit about our own lives, and like it's kind of a funny story because it's a fucking wild story. The story of Macrocross is truly insane. We're gonna talk about some of the craziest shows, what it was like to be in that band all the crazy shit that we saw it's gonna be a great time and you heard it here right from the horse's mouth um but it is your boys uh david k-town and mark hey you guys have a fucking sick thanksgiving take some time to think about uh fucking the indigenous people that fucking suffered so that you can enjoy your thanksgiving and um and be grateful for the shit that you got Yep. If you're listening to this episode right now, you've got shit to be grateful for. And if you don't have anything to be grateful for, it's because you're You're dead.
it is their culture that has given us life. Without their contributions, we would not live this prosperous life that we are all living. And I'm asking you, where do you stand? If, yeah, you want to hear some music, my friend? Well, we're not going to play music until we're fucking goddamn ready to play music. Yeah. Express yourself. This is a fucking hard thing for me to do. If you want to get in the band and come up here, I will fucking definitely give you the respect of coming up here and expressing yourself and trying to relay a message to people. So give it to me. Burning fire. 